Well, good morning, and this is the Midweek Devotional for Wednesday, June the 8th. I do hope this finds you well, loving the Lord, walking with Him. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank You for Your good Word to us. We thank You for the great news of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is salvation in You and there is hope for all those who turn to You. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Today, I want to share with you a resource that I have been using in ministry uh, and also has had an impact on my own heart and own life. It's a chapter on conflict out of a book by a man named Paul David Tripp uh, entitled, uh, What Did You Expect? or What Were You Expecting? I can't remember the name of the title, sorry. It's one of those two. We've used uh, the DVD series, teaching series on this as a marriage book. Uh, in our Sunday school class, the young married class that I teach uh, several years ago, and uh, I've been interacting with the book, and and it's been very helpful in my own life as I think about the health of my marriage, and I want to share uh, some of these insights with you. Uh, I'm pulling this almost completely straight from uh, the chapter called Before Dark, which is chapter 14 of this great book, and I, I do encourage you to if you um, would like to see your marriage flourish, uh, perhaps you know that you're not quite where you need to be, or even if you think you're where you need to be and would like to see your marriage go from, from good to great, th- this is a fantastic resource uh, for it. You know, every marriage is going to have conflict in it. Every marriage, even the best marriage. You know, conflict itself is not always bad. Conflict it's just when you have two different opinions or worldviews or points uh, that don't coincide with one another. So the conflict is not so much the bad thing, it's how you deal with it. You're always going to disagree on little things down to where to eat supper. Right Now, not, not agreeing on where to eat supper can either be, okay, uh, let's talk about it, or it can be a knockout, drag out, drag down fight, right? I mean, so... Even small things can lead to big escalations, but perhaps you in your marriage are having more significant issues with your spouse, um, and certainly the things we're going to talk about are, are not just for marriage, but really any kind of interpersonal relationship, and we, we all have those, whether you're, you're married or not. Um, so I want to work through some of these insights, and before we get into some of the nitty-gritty, he has a great warning uh, about the role of bitterness in life and in a relationship and how devastating it can be. This would be a good time for you to answer honestly within your own heart. Uh, Are you bitter against someone, whether it's your spouse, someone in the church, someone that you see at work, or someone from your past? Uh, Bitterness is a a really hard thing. It is a it's, it's poison. There's a great line that I've heard, you know, bitterness is the poison pill that you take that you expect to kill the other person. Bitterness is the poison pill that you take expecting it to kill the other person. Bitterness can come into a marriage and into a relationship all too easily. And a lot of that comes from rehearsing the events of past hurts, um, conflicts, and events that have been unpleasant. You know you know what that means, right? Rehearsing events where in your mind you let them play over and over and over again. And the more that we do that, it becomes more and more ingrained in our hearts and in our minds. You know, it's almost like a, an engraving tool. You know, if you're 
just scratching the surface very lightly. It won't do a whole lot of harm that first time, but if you keep doing it over and over again, much like erosion with sand on a rock, over time it'll wear that rock down. Or the engraving tool will etch a deeper and deeper ridge into your heart. And that's what happens when we rehearse events again and again and again. And it may be that it is time to have a discussion with your spouse or a family member about the conflict uh, that's going on. All right, so how do we deal with difficulties and conflict in marriage? Um, the first, this is straight from Paul David Tripp, the first is to face reality. I love his quote here. It never works to deny, reject, or avoid reality. It never works to deny, reject, or avoid reality. Now, that's not always comfortable. That's not always easy. Sometimes that reality is pretty unpleasant. But inaction, this is a quote from him, inaction is seldom an effective course of action leading to change. You know, any time that there's a problem that you need to deal with, there's always that pain of dealing with it. I mean, it is often painful to deal with problems in your life, whether it is patterns of sin, whether it is something from your past you need to talk about in order to get over. Um, there is a certain amount of pain, but I, I guarantee you that that small amount of pain is nothing like the pain of continuing in that situation. And the reward on the far side of dealing with it it is so much better. You've seen that in your life in times, right? When you've had a conversation you didn't want to have and you knew you needed to and you finally did, and, and even if it was as bad as you thought it was, which usually doesn't happen, by the way. Rarely are things as bad as we think they are. The end result, that feeling of freedom, was really nice, wasn't it? Well, in your marriage, you can have honest conversations with your spouse. Why? Because in marriage, there is the commitment that is not there with cohabitation or dating or really in any other kind of relationship. Because in marriage, you can't walk away from each other. You have made a vow to God. A vow is a promise made to God, not just a man. You have made a vow to God to stay with, to be married to, to continue with, to pursue the health of your marriage to your spouse until death do one of you part. And so there is, it is the, within the marriage contract and covenant and relationship that you can honestly deal with things. You can honestly deal with things because there is hope in the gospel, right? We are all able to change. We're not able to change ourselves. We are able to change because God will change us. He will change our hearts if we pursue Him, if we ask Him to, if we're serious about actually wanting that change. There is hope for every relationship, even the most embittered. But the first thing that needs to happen is you need to face reality. The second thing, though, is to deal honestly with our anger. Deal honestly with our anger. Anger will destroy, it's just like bitterness, and, and bitterness is the result of anger that you keep dwelling on. So anger leads long-term to bitterness. We have to be honest with ourselves about the anger that we are bringing into the relationship. Now, a lot of times that anger, it may not even be explicitly shown in a relationship. It may be, but sometimes the more dangerous anger is the passive-aggressive kind, the kind that you keep 
pent up and they're just small little lashings out or there's a coldness within your relationship or a coldness in bed or a coldness just in your interaction with one another. You have to be honest. We have to be honest with our own anger. You know, we've talked about this before, but we have often um, misconstrued. No, that's not quite the right. Confused, that's the word. We have often confused anger with taking something seriously or taking something seriously with anger. We can take an issue seriously in our marriages, in our lives, without reacting in a sinfully angry way. That that may sound a bit counterintuitive. How do you know if someone is taking this seriously? Well, in our culture, in our sinful culture, in our world, especially in our politics right now, how do you know? Because they're angry about it. But when we bring anger to bear between in our relationship with our spouse, it's never going to lead good. Anger never produces that which God desires. We must remember that we can control our own anger. It does not control us. A lot of times it feels that way, but you can control your anger. You're not a slave to your emotions. Your emotions listen to and follow your will. And so we have to deal honestly with our own anger. In what ways am I bringing anger into this relationship that are making it worse? Even if there's a problem that is mostly coming from your spouse, most of the time we contribute as well. It's rarely one-sided. Because here's the thing. Anger can tell us a lot about what's in our heart. Anger can tell us a lot about what's in our heart. And we need to, when we lash out in anger to our spouse or to our children or to our coworkers, here it is. We need to ask for their forgiveness. We need to ask for their forgiveness. You know, when we ask for forgiveness, it is a humbling experience because the person asking forgiveness is coming from a place of disadvantage, right? Saying, I messed up. I was in the wrong. Please forgive me. And it's also a moment of vulnerability because you're putting that option of forgiving you or not in the hands of someone else. There's almost a a nakedness there, right? When we read of Adam and Eve, they were naked and they weren't ashamed. It wasn't just physical nakedness. It was also emotional nakedness. But it also leads to healing. It is powerful to ask for someone's forgiveness, right? That can be a powerful moment of healing in your marriage. And let me say this. Even if you think your spouse is the one who's made all the problems, you can identify You're not responsible for their actions, but you are responsible. Hear me say this. You are responsible for your actions and your response to it. They can't make you mad. No one can make you mad. Only yourself. Only you yourself can make yourself mad. And so if you have responded in anger, you can always and should always take responsibility and ask for forgiveness. That, by the way, in the long run, can lead to the other person taking stock of their side of it and asking for forgiveness. It can de-escalate. It can de-escalate the situation. Let me say, too, and and as I return back to Paul David Tripp here, um, I love this part. He talks about minor differences. 
If you're going to deal with your anger, then you must be willing to overlook minor differences. You cannot live with another person and make every difference equally important and equally an issue between you. End quote. You know, so many arguments, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in the home, between parents, between siblings, most of the time it is over minor things. Is it really important that there are dishes still in the sink? Hmm? Is it? Is it? Is it really important that your spouse forgot to hang up the towel one more time or miss the laundry basket? Or um, I'm thinking about all the ways I fail. <laughs> and Christy does not howl me about these things. I'm not saying that at all. She's She is so gracious towards me. You know, those are common things in a marriage or, or minor differences of uh, where you like to eat. You, you fill in the blank. Is there something that's coming to mind that, that there's something that really sets you off from your spouse that, that in the end really is quite minor? I mean, look, y'all are both sinners saved by grace. Neither one of you are perfect. You all have your pet peeves. You all have your things that you do that set the other person off. Do we really want to make our marriage about those minor things? Or do we want to give each other some slack that we would actually be gracious to others? Because let's be honest, we always want people to be gracious with us and give us slack. Will we not do that to our spouse, the one with whom we are one flesh? Well, there's a great Bible verse that trip reminds us of. It's Ephesians chapter 4 verses 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. You know, the reality is that we must keep, as he says, short accounts with each other. Like dealing with our sins. If you really feel like you have been sinned against, then go to your spouse. Do not say, I hate you because, or uh, you're an awful person because. Don't attack. Don't attack. Don't attack the person. You want to deal with the problem. The problem is that you were offended by something they said, that you were hurt by something they said, or you really just can't let something go. It's reached that point where you got to talk about it. Say, you know, you really hurt my feelings when? I really was hurt because X. Well, you may not have realized this, but wow, that, that was just really hurtful. Do you see the difference between those things? You don't just lash out. That will accomplish nothing because that's lashing out in anger. And when we lash out in anger, do you know what happens? Most of the time, you're going to get anger back. You reap what you sow. I was reading that in Galatians chapter 6 this morning from my Bible study. How true is that, right? You reap what you sow. If you sow anger and bitterness and lack of patience and uh, unrealistic expectations into your marriage, guess what? That's what you're going to get back. You're not going to have a healthy marriage, period. But we should also keep short accounts that when we know we have sinned against our spouse, we should take the initiative and ask for their forgiveness. Now, I don't know about you, but I know it goes to my mind. Well, I shouldn't ask, ask for forgiveness in this situation because, you know, I was angry and I deserve to be angry. Or, you know, uh, a friend makes me bad or doesn't do what they say they're going to and, and I respond in an unhelpful way and I'm short with them or something like that and it's like, I don't need to do that. I mean, they're the ones that created the problem, right? But no, no. 
kind of in First Corinthians chapter six when it's talking about lawsuit between believers, and Paul says, "Would you not rather be defrauded you know, for the peace and unity of the church at that point?" Certainly, when we have sinned against our spouse, we need to be the ones. We need to be the ones to go and say, "I'm sorry. Please forgive me." Men and husbands, let me tell you, this is our role, especially to model in our marriage. When we sin against our brides, we must ask for their forgiveness. That's how we, that's what, servant leadership within a marriage is more than that, but it is certainly no less than that. A lot of times we don't like to do it because it means we have to humble ourselves. And guys, we are prideful people, aren't we? I know I am. You know, um, in this Bible verse, Ephesians 4, 26-27, Paul tells us not to let the sun go down on your anger. This is just a great guideline, isn't it? Great rule for, for marriage. You know, don't let the issues of today spill over into tomorrow. Do business with your bride. Do business with your husband before the end of the day. Say, I, you know, we need to talk about this. Um, because if we don't, what's going to happen? Tomorrow, we might forget it, but usually not, right? Maybe, maybe we forget it. But if we don't, it's, it's certainly going to build up, right? And it's just going to keep escalating. I think tied to this concept is also the concept that we let past sins that have been forgiven and dealt with, we let them be in the past so they don't just keep building up. Now, we're not dummies if you're in an abusive relationship, something like that. You're not exposing yourself to continued abuse. Like That's not what we're talking about. But, but I'm talking about differences and, and, uh, and arguments and past ways we've failed each other. Those things have to remain in the past. If we keep bringing them up, then we have not forgiven our spouse. Period. Are there things you need to let go from the past that your spouse has done? Um, what's the old line? We should bury the axe and not in each other's back. <laughs> or bury the hatchet and not on each other's back. You know, another really important thing as we deal with our own anger is in how we communicate. Um, this is the next thing that Paul David Tripp picks up on. Uh, he references Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Right? In this text, there are two different sides. First, he deals with the bad language, right? the tearing down, the um, saying things we know we shouldn't or we think, quote-unquote, the other person deserves. Right, My friends, that's got to stop. Like we, just, we cannot use our language to hurt our spouse. First of all, what is that modeling for your children? I mean, if it's not for your children, even if it's not around them, this is your husband, this is your wife. We should not use language to tear down others, to hurt each other anywhere, but especially in marriage. Right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Right? It does not bear grudge. Oh, that's right. Let me see. 1 Corinthians 13, there's some real meat there for our, uh, let's see. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, 
or boast. It is not arrogant. How often are we arrogant against each other? Or rude. How often are we rude against each other in our marriage? It does not insist its own way. Wow, how, long, how often do I insist on my own way? It is not irritable. How often are we irritable in our relationships and in our marriage? Or, here it is, resentful. Wow. It is not resentful. So we should not use our language to tear down, but there is a positive sense. We haven't completed that. We haven't fulfilled this scripture, this command, just by not doing the negative. We also need to build up. We also need to build up. Uh, we need to invest in each other. Your husbands need to invest in your wives. Men, build up your wives. Encourage them. When's the last time you said something encouraging to your wife when they hadn't done something for you? Just gone up to him and said, hey, baby, what is it? Looking good today. Thank you for doing X, Y, and Z. I sure love you. You know you're a great bride. You're a great wife. Wow, that can transform marriage. Wives, when's the last time that you encouraged your husband? When's the last time you said thanks for working hard? When's the last time you spoke highly of him in front of others when he's there. Encourage each other. We should be each other's biggest cheerleaders. Right? Husbands and wives, you should be your spouse's biggest cheerleader. Praying for them, encouraging them. When they have a hard day, don't tear them down. Don't, don't point out their weaknesses or their faults. Instead, love on them. Huggle, uh, hug them. Snuggle them. Pursue them in intimacy. Right. Invest in each other. Build each other up. This is a quote from um, Paul David Tripp here. What does this look like practically? Paul tells us. It means, if you, it means you want to speak to your spouse in a way that builds him up. You want to leave your spouse hopeful, encouraged, and feeling loved. There's a, a book, I can't remember who it's by, and it's uh, it's called Sex Starts in the Kitchen. I, I have not read all of it. I've, I've interacted with some material from it. And it is talking about how the intimacy that we experience in the bedroom is, is directly tied to how we deal with each other in the kitchen, right? The everyday life stuff. Um. And how true that is. How true that is. Well, brothers and sisters, I hope you found this helpful uh, in your marriage, in your relationship with others. We have to get serious about our own sin, our own anger, and how we tear each other down and don't build each other up. May the Lord bless you today. Amen.